It's time for Your Rights Count on AM 1360 KRWC, keeping you up to date on current and new laws and legal happenings in Wright County. Your Rights Count is brought to you by Buffalo Bail Bonds. Since 1991, Buffalo Bail Bonds has been serving the Wright County community with their 24-hour service, a service that's fast, friendly, professional, and discreet. Their licensed agents can meet you anywhere you need, and Buffalo Bail Bonds is endorsed by local attorneys. Call 763-682-6771 and let Scott, Rick, or Liz help you start the process of setting your friend or loved one free. The first step is to call Buffalo Bail Bonds at 763-682-6771 or check out their website, buffalobailbonds.net. Their office is located at 12 2nd Street Northeast in downtown Buffalo. Buffalo Bail Bonds, 763-682-6771. And now here's your host with Booselmeyer Law and online at yourrightscount.com, Ted Booselmeyer. Hello, Wright County. We're here today back again talking about motor vehicle accidents. A couple weeks ago, we talked about what does it take to make a claim if you've been injured in a motor vehicle collision. And last week, we talked about what does it take to prove your case. Now today we're going to talk about defenses, defenses to your motor vehicle injury claim. I probably shouldn't be talking about this. I don't want to educate any despicable insurance defense attorneys, but the best offense is knowing your defense. Number one, statute of limitations. You don't want to wait too long to file your claim. Otherwise, it'll be too bad, so sad, eh, your time ran out. You can't file that claim. You get nothing and like it. Well, at some point, it's only fair if you either bring your claim or forever waive it. People can't just wonder forever whether or not you're going to claim that against their insurance company. For motor vehicle collisions, the action must be commenced within six years. And a wrongful death case, even though it's a motor vehicle collision, must be commenced within three years. Now, there's various other deadlines, variety of other cases, but we're talking about motor vehicle accidents today. That time period can also be told by a disability or if the injured person is under the age of 18. A disability would also include disabilities caused by the motor vehicle accident. I've got a case right now that my client has a traumatic brain injury, and uh, unfortunately, he was unable to meet that strict deadline of statutes of limitation due to bad advice from another attorney. Well, he came to my office, and uh, we were concerned with that, but as it turns out, he was so incapacitated for that first couple months at least, maybe even up to a year, and we only needed a, about a month. So we ended up suing it out anyways, and the defense attorneys have raised that defense, but I anticipate that we will be very successful because he was completely incapacitated and not able to function or make decisions within at least that first month because of that traumatic brain injury. So that's an example of tolling the statute of limitations, that is extending that statute so that you can still sometimes bring a claim even after your statute of limitations has ran. So if you think your statute of limitations has expired, but you had significant injuries, give me a call and we'll sort that out and see if you can toll that statute of limitations and still bring a claim. Number two, assumption of risk. There are two types of assumption of risk, primary and secondary. A primary assumption of risk is when there's no duty of care to begin with. You can think of this as those cases where just, well, stuff happens. And in these cases, the defendant owes no duty to the plaintiff as a matter of law. An example is when a person who attends a baseball game and is struck by a foul ball, they would have no claim because the batter owed no duty of care. The injured person assumed the risk of being injured by choosing to be at that game. I mean, they know what happens at baseball games. Balls get hit, people get struck by balls, and they should probably bring a baseball glove or a helmet to protect themselves or simply stay home and don't attend the game. 
A secondary assumption of risk comes into play when there's a duty on the part of the defendant, but the plaintiff has done something to put himself or herself into harm's way. We talked a bit about comparative fault uh, last week, and that's really what would be instructed for this theory of secondary assumption of risk. The jury would first determine that the defendant was negligent in some way, and then they would determine, well, how much did the assumption of risk, that is plaintiff putting themselves in harm's way, contribute by taking that chance? How this is accomplished is by instructing the juries on comparative fault. That is, that a plaintiff will get nothing if they're more than half at fault. And the jury is going to determine the percentage of fault of each the defendant and the plaintiff so that the total award would be reduced by the plaintiff's percentage of fault. And on to number three, lack of proximate cause. So this is required after the jury finds the defendant negligent in doing something like, say, speeding or blowing a stop sign. The question is, yeah, but were they the cause of the injuries or the cause of the collision? A good example here would be when a drunk driver gets into an automobile collision. I have a case like this right now where the driver was just over 0.08 with a blood alcohol concentration, but we're still bringing a claim for negligence of the other at-fault driver, or we say at-fault as the plaintiff, because the other driver did not have their headlights on. And my client pulled into the highway from a stop sign and was T-boned and sustained significant injuries that required hospitalization. The defense is arguing that since my client was 0.09, that he must not have had the ability or diligence to look both ways before pulling into the highway. And we're arguing that the defendant driver was the proximate cause because they didn't have their headlights on. We'll see what happens. The jury will have to decide that one. You never know what a jury's going to do. Next, numbers four and five would be the unavoidable accident or an emergency rule. They're very similar in application. Sometimes accidents are just accidents after all, right? Examples of these would be a medical condition like a heart attack, which causes the driver to lose control, or an emergency situation like an avalanche. Defendant driver does collide with a vehicle, but it's not their fault. It's the avalanche's fault. Well, we're all out of time, but we do need to discuss the Good Samaritan Rule, but that deserves a show of its own. So stay tuned next week for the Good Samaritan Rule or Defense of Liability. Also, Boozlemeyer Law is hiring for a paralegal position, so please give us a call today. Disclaimer, for advertising and general information purposes only, this radio show is not intended to provide legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. Each case is different. You should rely on the advice of your retained attorney only. Thanks, everyone. Again, this is Ted Boozlemeyer with Boozlemeyer Law. Don't try to spell my name. Just come check us out at yourrightscount.com or give me a buzz at 763-682-1324.